Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and with me in the studio today is Laurie Levy, who's the campaign director and founder of the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. Laurie has led the campaign to ban the recreational killing of native water birds for 32 years now. Welcome, Laurie. G'day, Kate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for, very much for coming in today. Pleasure. So, Laurie, you've recently had a great outcome at the Swan Hill Magistrates Court. Can you explain how you wound up there and what that, out, that, what that good outcome was? Well, quite a few years ago, governments of the day brought in new laws that... Uh, tried to keep rescuers and the media off the water until 10 o'clock in the morning to give shooters about three hours free shooting time without being disturbed. And, of course, rescuers go into the water with the shooters and uh, we get booked when we come out. Normally, there's a $933 fine for every rescuer and uh, rescuers still go in to rescue wounded birds, even if they have to pay that fine. And, and of course, what we did this year was raise the money from the public to pay all of their fines. But I was booked uh, last year on the opening, right on the opening of the duck shooting season at 7.20am. I had an injured leg that year, so I, I was standing on the shore. I was standing with the compliance officers, and, uh, and the police, and shooting started uh, 20 minutes before the opening time. And one police officer said to me that it sounds like World War Three out there. And it was like World War Three. And, of course, 20 minutes before the opening, uh, they were illegally shooting threatened species, protected species, and uh, the... Compliance officers and the police were powerless to do anything about it. They were standing flat-footed on the shore. A pink-eared duck was hit, came down right on the shoreline in front of us all, and I rushed down to pick it up. The shooter was coming in to pick it up, and I had to get there before he got there. And, uh, of course, we have always taken mobile veterinary clinics out to the wetlands over the years, and all the wounded birds that we bring in are treated uh, in those mobile veterinary clinics. So I picked up the bird, and the shooter was not too happy about it, but took that bird to the mobile veterinary clinic, and I just assumed that I would receive a $933 fine. And you're prepared to wear that? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. we do, and yeah. all the rescuers are. Yeah. That's just a, yeah. a price we have to pay for helping our native water birds yeah. because... 
the compliance officers uh, have a policy basically not to not to bring out any wounded birds and not to bring out any illegally shot protected and threatened species mm. and uh, so what we- happened when the the, the 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 police officer saw you um Take, you, you you took this bird over to the to the vet clinic, and then what happened then? And then the it wasn't a police; it was a compliance oh, sorry, officer a compliance from officer. from the game management authority, and and he he was good. He allowed me to take it to the veterinary clinic, and he went over and spoke to the shooter. But then he came over and booked me, and that mm. was fine. And then I was ordered off the wetlands for ten for the whole of the duck shooting season from that one incident. From that one incident, right? Um, and then. Um, I would have been fined nine hundred and thirty three dollars as well, but when it went back into GMA, a certain person in GMA uh, decided that I should go to court because I have, uh, I guess, about seven convictions for rescuing wounded waterbirds, and he thought with those priors that I would be uh, be fined somewhere up to nine thousand dollars if I went to court. And so they took me to court instead of fining me. And uh, I had an appearance a couple of weeks ago in the Swan Hill Magistrates Court. I was prepared to plead not guilty and fight it. And we had a, a, a legal conference beforehand and we were going to subpoena the minister. And um, so uh, what happened was... By pleading not guilty, a new date would have been set. But in court, the magistrate said, look, to save a a major court case, uh, if you plead guilty, um, there won't be a fine, there won't be a conviction, and all you'll have to do is pay $192 in cost and you'll receive a six-month bond. And I, I said that, well, sorry, Your Honour, I can't accept the bond because I wouldn't be able to go out onto the opening of this year's duck shooting season. So the magistrate thought about it and he said, uh, look, uh, instead of being a a six-month bond, it'll be a one-month bond. It'll finish on the 13th of of March, four days before the opening of the duck shooting season. So I was free to go back out there again. That's amazing that the, the magistrate was essentially giving you his blessing to go back onto the wetland to do what you had to do. Yes, and 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 also I noticed that when he was talking to the prosecutor about mine, the prosecutor was talking up all the convictions that I'd had, and he said, "Look, he's not a criminal." Yeah, right. And uh, so it was a terrific outcome, and I'm sure the game management authority would have been really <laughs> angry at what happened. Excellent. Um, no, that's great, and. I've seen shooters online suggesting that you must have had a deal with the authorities to get an outcome like that. How do you respond to that well, accusation? Well, it's, it's a silly accusation because um, the, the the court, the, the, the legal system is a system by itself. You can't mm. influence mm. it in any way. There's mm. no way you can mm. influence it. But, uh, you know, the, the Game Management Authority thought they could get a fine mm. uh, somewhere close to $9,000 against me to try and stop me going into the water and it failed completely. And and, and I think the reason is because it's so ridiculous being taken to court for rescuing a wounded bird Mm. and 
the Game Management Authority do not rescue birds. Mm. The government doesn't rescue birds. In mm. fact, there's not a single government department, even the environment department, mm. that looks after our native water mm. birds. They look after the shooters. Mm. So it's only our rescuers who over the years have displayed enormous courage and commitment to help those birds. And that's that's the crux of it. We bring out wounded birds, which embarrasses the government and the GMA, mm. and we bring out illegally shot, protected and threatened species. Mm. And that embarrasses the government mm. and the GMA as well, hence the heavy fines against rescuers. There seems to be, like, well... Demonstrated by that judge at Swan Hill, this or magistrate, there, there seems to be a growing sympathy from from judges and from farmers and from journo's and from rural communities, and there seems to be um, more and more articles in the rural press even that are sympathetic of the coalition against duck shooting and sympathetic of the plight of the ducks, and and rather than the shooters, is that is that's my perception? Is that an accurate perception? And if so, what what's happening? Why is that happening? That's an accurate perception Kate and and it's big because the, look when we first started our campaign 32 years ago there were 100,000 duck shooters in Victoria and it was like an army out there today uh, their numbers duck shooter numbers have dwindled to where they make up 25,000 licensed shooters but as the Game Management Authority says there are only 17,000 who are active so 83,000 duck shooters have disappeared mm. and and it's been because of all the media coverage mm. over the years public opinion has changed yeah. and people in rural victoria now can see that duck shooting doesn't bring any money into country towns and that once duck shooting is banned um, we'll have nature-based wetlands tourism and if you look at phillip island for example uh, they had over a million visitors last year down to the wildlife area, to the penguins, etc., and that's where the money is. Mm. And small country towns like Kerrang, for example, have magnificent wetlands. They've got 23 Ramsar wetlands in their backyard and, and duck shooter numbers only make up 0.4% of Victoria's population. The indigenous groups in Victoria... I mean, the Zha Zha Wurong in, in Bort don't want duck shooting on their wetlands. They want nature-based tourism. Mm. And that's where the money is for small regional mm. towns. And mm. in 2015, the Auditor General, in his, his report, said that uh, small country towns are in financial trouble. Mm. So the moment duck shooting comes to an end... Um, you'll have nature-based tourism. But also a lot of farmers ring up beforehand and they tip us off where threatened species are and they also offer us their properties to camp on uh, for the opening weekend. And also you'll get farmers and landowners ringing up telling us where there are a lot of illegally shot birds and we go out and collect those birds. Mm. So last year... The Game Management Authority, I, I read that they estimated almost half a million waterbirds were shot in Victoria. Half a million waterbirds in one year in one state, which I find incredible. And I, I find these figures staggering, not just because how shooting at wildlife for fun could possibly be considered a legitimate behaviour in this day and age. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's 
it's out, an outrageous activity on its own. But I'm staggered by the fact that we're in the middle of a well-documented sixth extinction crisis and that this activity of recreational shooting is endorsed by a contemporary Labor government. You know, a, a biodiversity crisis, this biodiversity crisis is looking more and more likely to signal the end of a geological epoch. And I can't think of anything more profound or mind or a more profound or mind-blowing measure than referencing geological units of time. You know, it doesn't get bigger than that. It doesn't get more significant than that. And the, the, comp- the combined stupidity and arrogance and negligence of this governmental policy is, for me, completely incomprehensible. And, okay, so I'm sure the demise of life on Earth will be a death by a thousand cuts, but I'm sure that this is one of those cuts. And, but surely, 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 there must be someone in the government, in state Labor government, who understands the significance of what's going on. I think politicians play the game from uh, election to election and there's four years in between and, quite frankly, it's disappointing to see what is happening out there because, you know, when we first started going out to the wetlands, in, in a normal year you'd have water everywhere. All the wetlands will be would be full. The only time they would start to dry out was once every seven years or so when we had an El Nino and then you would have dry wetlands. Then we had that 13-year long drought in Victoria and and, uh, most of our wetlands were dry. But what's happening at the moment? This year is a a La Nina year. It's the opposite to an El Nino. There should be plenty of water around, but most of our wetlands are drying out. And, And... Again, uh, according to Professor Richard Kingsford, who's been doing aerial surveys down the east coast of Australia uh, for the last 32 years or or longer, um, since 1983, um, he's saying now that water bird numbers are at their lowest level in 34 years or so. And there are only two pockets of birds right down the east coast. I mean, the Murray-Darling system is drying out and they've got major problems. All the wetlands that, that you know, that take water from the Murray-Darling system are, are basically dry. And there's a pocket of birds up in Queensland, one large flock and a very large flock in Victoria in and around northwest Victoria. And instead of the government saying to themselves, we've got to protect both of these flocks, we've got to look after them to ensure that our native water birds do survive in, into the future, um, they just, in Queensland, they're fully protected. Mm-hmm. In Victoria, it's open season, they can, duck shooters can shoot 10 birds a day. And, and it's amazing that Queensland is so far ahead environmentally than Victoria is, and and politicians don't seem to feel any shame about that. Yeah, I can't. I, I find it hard to articulate um, the enormity of this. That it is so. It's almost. It's beyond comprehension, and I and I do find it um, hard to articulate just how how profound th- this error of judgment is. Um, but I am, and I'm, and I'm bewildered as to why the government still panders to this minority of shooters when the vast majority of Victorians want duck shooting banned. I'm, I'm not sure. Is it, is it preferencing deals, or is it the gun lobby, 
or is it something else entirely? I mean, I understand the influence of the gun lobby. Is the, the the gun lobby say in the U.S. might exert the the gun lobby in the U.S. is is it it's a trigger happy country. You could imagine that the the NRA and the gun lobbies have enormous influence. But in a country like Australia, where we're not all armed to the teeth, how could the gun lobby have such power and influence in a place like here? Well, the gun lobby in America is powerful. The gun lobby here is pretty weak, and 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 you saw that after the. Uh, Port Arthur tragedy yes. when 35 people were killed. John Howard um, uh, stepped in and, and, and he said, we're going to ban semi-automatic mm. weapons to stop these tragedies. Mm. Now, I was never a fan of John Howard until then, but he was advised apparently that if he did that, he'd probably lose the next election in 1998. And he still went ahead and did it mm. because he said it was the right thing to do. Well. And he did it, and we haven't had a, a massacre of like they have in America uh, since. Yeah, and and that that's the key to it. John Howard had the courage to stand up to the shooters. They threatened that he would lose office uh, in 1998. Well, he, he was in office for the next ten years. Yeah. So you know, the, and in Victoria. The problem we've had in the last four years is the Shooters and Fishers Party have held the balance of power in the upper house. And I don't think they'll get back in uh, in November because they didn't get very many votes. It was just Glenn Drury, the the preference whisperer, was organising their campaigns and he got so many preferences from small parties yeah, and right. the major parties that they got in. So, so that's what it comes down to. Is it just the is it just the preferencing? That's the problem that we've that's created the problem we have. Yes, wow. yes, and 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 of course, our only hope, I think, for, from a political point of view, is with the Greens. Yeah, right. And they are really doing well. I mean, they've got three members in the lower house. And they've got five in the upper house. And with the November election coming up, um, the Greens could win the other two inner city seats, Brunswick and Richmond, and that would give them five in the upper house if they retain the other seats that they've got now. And that would mean the best option for us in November is for Labor to get back in again with the Greens holding the balance of power in the lower house. And that's when we'll have an opportunity to the, to win the issue. Right. Okay. Um, now, the Game Management Authority seems to want to grow recreational shooting. I mean, they're they're enticing kids in now with relaxed regulatory requirements, and and they they sort of seem seem to be strategising to to to, in, to increase the popularity of this of this activity. Do you think that's working? It's not working, and Peter Walsh, when he was minister in the Napthine and Ballyard government, was trying to do the same thing. It's not working because public opinion has changed. The recreational shooting of native waterbirds is unacceptable to most people. I mean, 99.6% of Victorians do not shoot waterbirds. It's only duck shooter numbers make up only 0.4% of the population. And basically, it's coming to an end. It has to. There's no money for small country towns with duck shooters when, when they make up only 0.4%. So 
duck shooting is coming to an end and a, a Morgan poll taken in, in, in October 2007 highlighted that 87% of Victorians, city and country people, want duck shooting banned. They, these are our beautiful native water bird, birds, the part of our heritage. And also they could be a wonderful money earner once nature-based wetlands tourism is introduced to Victoria. Right. Now, there was a, a huge massacre at the Karangi Marshes during last year's season where I understand there were many, many birds, both game and protected species, were shot but then either left in the water or, or buried in a, in, a, like, in a mass grave of sorts. Were there appropriate and successful prosecutions made following, following that incident? Well, we, our rescuers brought out all of those birds to expose the shocking massacre that took place. Uh, the GMA don't bring them out. They don't bring out protected or threatened species because it makes them look bad. And to protect the shooters, they don't bring them out. We bring them out. The, the, the situation that happened, uh, duck shoot, probably a 1,000 duck shooters started shooting before the opening time. Only one duck shooter was prosecuted and we believe it was a duck shooter that was silly enough to walk off the water before the opening time with birds in his hand. So they, they, they booked him. No one else got booked. Our rescuers brought out uh, about 1,500 birds. 1,500? 1, uh, over over the, that week and we brought out... Uh, uh, 296 protected species wow. that had been illegally shot, and of those, 183 were threatened species. Freckle ducks yep. and bluebill ducks. Not a single shooter uh, was charged, as we know. They haven't charged anyone. So it's been essentially more or less another cover-up, like the Box Flat massacre of um, years ago. It's another one of those cover-ups where everyone goes silent. It, it's another cover-up because the game, the compliant, game management authority compliance officers can't go onto the water to police duck shooting mm. because of occupational health and safety issues. Duck shooters are considered to be so dangerous. The police don't go onto mm. the water except for the water police, and there's only about four water police out there. But they're looking at human infringements, not the duck shooting laws. Um, so basically, it's duck shooting when we first started, Kate, was an uncontrolled slaughter of native water birds. And even though there are 83,000 less duck shooters today because of public opinion, duck shooting is still an uncontrolled slaughter of native water birds. And if our rescuers hadn't have been there, then they wouldn't have known a massacre took place. And that's the whole problem. And millions of dollars of taxpayers' money goes into keeping duck shooting going. But not a single dollar of the money that the government uses to run duck shooting, not a single dollar goes into rescuing wounded birds or recovering illegally shot protected and threatened species because the government doesn't want to know about it. They just like to cover it up and say everything's okay out there, duck shooters are behaving, and and that's what that's what they're doing. That's what they try to do. But... They come unstuck because of the courage and the commitment from our rescuers every year. Jala Pulford, who's the Minister for Agriculture and Rural Development, initially said um, at th that 
during that last opening weekend last year, she said the shooters were very well behaved and they were respectful of the regulations, blah, 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 how they were all lovely. And but that was just before the, the Karanji massacre was uncovered and reported. Would that indicate to you that she's either very poorly informed or that she's delusional or she was just attempting to deceive the public? I, I would hope the reason would be that the Game Management Authority didn't inform her about the massacre because the Game Management Authority, uh, there are many people in there who have a serious conflict of interest. The uh, chairperson of the Game Management Authority is a duck shooter. There are two other duck shooters on the board and uh, and basically I think they were trying to tell the minister that everything was okay out there and they thought they could get away with it. And, of course, when we just kept bringing out all these illegally shot, protected and threatened water birds, suddenly it all changed. And, and of course, our rescuers discovered two pits on the uh, Monday after and those, those pits uh, contained 200 game species which are still native water birds, but the species that the shooters are allowed to shoot. So they shot so many birds, they couldn't bring them out because they would have probably have got booked if that happened. So they buried them all. And there were two pits with 200 birds in. So it makes you wonder, that that was just one massacre that was happened to be uncovered and found and reported. How many times are these, these kind of incidents happening across the state that are not ever seen and not ever reported, not anyone ever knows about and the minister, whichever minister is responsible at that time, says, yep, everything went fine, everything was great. That's how it happens. And there'd be a whole lot of massacres going on. Mm. And uh, until we get a tip-off, because with 20,000 wetlands, they can't be policed. Mm. So massacres would be happening, but nobody knows about it. Mm. And and with Box Flat, as an example, uh, Winchester... um, Salespeople from Winchester took crates of ammunition up for 150 shooters that were invited to a private shoot at Box Flat floodplains. What year was that? That was in 2013. And uh, (coughs) we received a tip-off on the Sunday from somebody in government that a massacre had happened. Over 2,000 birds had been shot... Uh, over 200 freckle ducks, a threatened species, and other birds that, like birds of prey, were illegally shot. Anything shot, that moves. Anything that moved. Now, there were two wildlife officers standing there at the time on the shore, but they didn't, they, they were oblivious to, to the massacre taking place. Mm. So the massacre was only discovered the next day by the wildlife officers when they went to the wetland. And they saw birds floating ashore. Oh my God. And but what had happened in the meantime on the Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening, the shooters had started cleaning up the birds. So the official number was about a thousand, when in fact it was about two thousand. But it highlights that even the department at the time had been tipped off that something may happen there because a massacre happened the year before in two thousand and twelve at Box Flat, but it wasn't, it was covered up totally. Yeah. And and there have been other massacres mm. we've found out about that have happened, 
that, that have been covered up yep. as well. So, of course, what we do is try to find... We try to stop birds from being illegally shot by being out there with the shooters and then we bring out what they shoot and what they leave. Let's have a break um, with a song. We've got a song here by Daniel Gregory. Can you tell us about this song? Um, uh, a Melbourne singer-songwriter wrote a, a really powerful song uh, for the Coalition Against Duck Shooting and... Uh, It really is and has been very popular, Uh, not with the government or with with the shooters, of course, but, uh, yeah, have a listen to it. What's it called? It's called Lay Down Your Guns and, and, and it's written about the duck shooting issue. On a central Victorian wetland at dawn Tracy the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. You can stream radio straight into your car. Straight in. Like 3CR gets streamed straight into your car, keeping you company. No matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll have something interesting in your ear. That's correct. And you can Bluetooth it and you can just stick it right into you. Is any kind of attachment you want? To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. yes. Waged? 75 And solidarity? 150 $150. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 9419 and... Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now. When I'm on a road trip, I want to take 3CR with me and listen to Rock and Roll. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio on 855 AM. That last song was chosen by our studio guest, Laurie Levy, who is the campaign director of the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. Now, let's talk about the coming duck season. The season starts on March 17, so that's less than a month away. What changes, regulatory or otherwise, have been made since last year's season and and do they favour the shooters or the ducks? Well, the... There have been a few minor changes that have been made. Um, it, it, it's a bit like the shooters after a massacre being hit over the hand with a, a wet lettuce leaf. <laughs> the biggest one is instead of the opening of the duck shooting season starting at 7.20am in, in the western side of Victoria, it'll start at 9am now, which is only an hour and 40 minutes later. And, of course... That's better for the birds because um, when they're shooting right on on dawn, um, birds don't fly high. They fly low and they fly into the shotguns. And so it it does give the birds a much better chance. We'll be out there on the wetlands uh, probably about quarter to seven in the morning looking for illegal shooters. And uh, so we'll be there. We'll be policing the activity as we always have. The only other changes, um, the shooters are angry about the fact that they now can't shoot more than one bird at a time. And we thought this always applied. We're always told by the government that this always applied. They shoot one bird, they've got to go and pick it up before they shoot a second bird. And the shooters are outraged about that. But 
there's nobody out there to to police them. So it doesn't really matter. And that's what I say. It's it's another year. It's another normal year, except that it starts a little bit later in the morning. Is it change to bag limits? Well, they're shooting 10, 10 birds a, a day, which is surprising, the fact that there are so few birds. I mean, bird numbers these days have come down uh, to where they're at the bottom of the barrel. And because the government allows duck shooting seasons when the bird numbers are so low, that just becomes normal. So if they rise a little bit above that low level, the government claims, oh, yeah, plenty of birds out there. They can shoot 10 birds a day. Well, if there were 17,000 shooters and they're all shooting 10 birds a day, you're not going to have many birds left at the end of it. And what about any changes to the the game species? Um, The only... There are um, eight game species uh, normally, but this year they can only shoot seven. Um, The blue-winged shoveler has been protected uh, mainly because its numbers... Uh, are extremely low and it should never have been on the game list. Uh, But also there are other birds on the game list that are extremely low as well and uh, the government doesn't do anything about that. In fact, the government doesn't listen to the best scientists. Uh, I know that uh, Animals Australia and the RSPCA and BirdLife Australia put in really strong submissions before the duck shooting season to the government and the GMA, but they usually wind up in the rubbish bin. You know, calling a duck shooting season is a political decision. It has nothing to do with science or the welfare of birds or anything else. So all that public consultation is just a bit of a... It's a a greenwash sham. The the public consultation is a sham. They've got to do it by law. They've got Mm. to, to... involve other stakeholders but it's only the shooters that uh, they really listen to. So I, um, I'm just wondering about Animals in Australia's involvement this year. They were active last year alongside CADS. Is it going to be the same arrangement this season? Um, yes, uh, Animals Australia has been doing a terrific job. They came into it uh, two years ago and they had wetlands closed off by going to court and they were fantastic. Two of the major wetlands that that had most of the birds on. See, when wetlands dry out, water birds will seek refuge on the the, the few wetlands that have water. And shooters say, oh, there are a lot of birds out there with Mm. plenty of birds to shoot. But these birds uh, are just seeking refuge on on Mm. wetlands that have water. And, of course, they... They get obliterated. Yeah, so it, lo- it looks like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of birds, but they're, yeah. they're all the state's birds on, yes. on the few remaining wetlands that yes. have got water in them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. And, and, and again, the government panders to the shooters. Yeah. And, and there shouldn't be a, a season this year. We've been out doing our survey. There are a lot of freckle ducks. There are a thousand freckle ducks on Lake Bale Bale, which is just next door to where the massacre happened last year. And even last year, we had top birdos out counting birds and we knew where the threatened species were and we tried to get the marshes closed off. The shooters wanted it open. They told the minister that they would never shoot a threatened species. They could control it. And, of course, 
we had the massacre that yeah. took place. And I, I think Baobab will definitely be closed off. But also birds move. So the freckle ducks that are on Baobab will also use Lake Cullen, they'll use Lake Elizabeth, and and uh, so they'll get shot there. Yep. So we'll be out there to uh, to try and make sure those birds aren't shot, and if they are, then we'll bring them in. What about RSPCA? They've they seem to have backed away from the campaign this year, and and just seem to be making recommendations to the government on shooter regulations and sort of wondering why have, why have they gone soft and, and what are the implications of that? Well, the, the, there was an RSPCA review a couple of years ago and um, I guess one of the uh, uh, reviewers happened to be a duck shooter and they were told at the end of that review that they couldn't be proactive, they couldn't campaign against duck shooting. And, of course, the RSPCA is there to stop cruelty wetlands it's just i mean when you go out there it it's all about violence and cruelty and in fact even our experienced rescuers last year were traumatized in fact we had to have a counselor come down from sydney to to debrief the rescuers they were so traumatized i mean you've got people rescuers out there who they're out there because they know what's going to happen to those birds and they want to help them. And what they saw last year really traumatised them, the violence and the cruelty, and it'll probably happen again this year. And and the, the only... And, and the RSPCA isn't allowed out there to even treat birds now. The, the RSPCA has a wonderful mobile air-conditioned veterinary clinic that would be really top-notch. It's a top top veterinary clinic for treating and operating on wounded animals and, or wounded birds in this case and they're not allowed out there the game management authority won't allow them to be on the wetlands and the the excuse they use was the RSPCA vets are not allowed to take wounded birds from people who are breaking the law from criminals well we're the people who are breaking the law because the law says we can't go into the water until 10 o'clock in the morning. But what happens to the wounded birds at 7.20 or 8 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning? So we're out there with the shooters, but the RSPCA has been stopped from going to the wetlands. And the main reason is the shooters don't want the RSPCA out there because duck shooting is about... It's all about cruelty. I mean, mm. shooting native water... Birds have shocking injuries. They... You know, the shot through the wing. Even a, even a bird that only has one pellet uh, hitting a bone or landing near a nerve would be in extreme pain. Mm. Uh, but they suffer shocking injuries to their bodies, to their wings. Their eyes are shot out. The pellets are lodged in their eyes, in their bills. And, and, it, and it's hard to believe that in the 21st century, either a Labor or Liberal government still allows this this pain and suffering to go on for no reason other than duck shooters get a kick out of it. And the difference between duck shooters and rescuers is duck shooters don't have any empathy uh, for water birds. And, and when they hit a bird and the bird starts to tumble out of the sky, they cheer. And, and, and 
when when rescuers are out there and they see the cruelty that's being inflicted on those birds, it's traumatic for them. And the reason they're out there is because they know if they're not there, there'd be nobody in government helping those birds. So the government's just announced, well, this state Labor government has announced that there's going to be a new animal welfare office that's going to come into operation this month, as that's the plan anyway. And and this is all going to be overseen by Minister Jala Pulford and and also that there's going to be an ambassador of animal welfare and that the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act is going to be reviewed in consultation with the public um, with a new act being brought in um, in 2019. So on paper, all of this sounds really exciting. All these developments around animal welfare sound really exciting and really promising and the dawn of a new era. But what are the realistic implications of all this for CADs and is it going to make any difference to your campaign? Well, when late last year, before a duck shooting season had been called, I mean, we were over the moon. We, we, were, we were just so excited about um, a statement that Jala Pulford had made, the minister had made in, in the upper house, saying that um, animals are sentient beings and they feel fear and they suffer pain. And we thought there can't be another duck shooting season called now because duck shooting is all about pain and suffering and cruelty. But about two months after the minister made that statement, um, a duck shooting season was called. And, you know... It it doesn't make sense. <laughs> that, that hope that we were all feeling was just shattered. Yeah. And yeah. it makes us more determined. Yep. Yep. And we'll be back out there again in, in what, three weeks from now yep. and we'll be fighting the issue as hard as we ever have. Well, I, I read that the new Animal Welfare Office is going to be apparently going to be giving half a million dollars worth of grants to non-profit community groups. Maybe you could put in a submission for some of that money. <laughs> I, I don't do think, think so. they, Do you think they might give you some of that half a million bucks? I, I don't think. You don't think? I don't think they would give us any money. <laughs> Plus, we're too proud to ask for it as yeah, well. We'll, you, we'll yeah. stand on our own two feet. And, yeah. and look, the, the Game Management Authority staff, their compliance officers and board members are all highly paid by taxpayers' money. Our rescuers are all volunteers. None of us receive a payment. Mm. So we're all volunteers. We put a lot of effort and, uh, the, you know, the game, as, as we had a meeting with the head of the game management authority a couple of weeks ago when we started we said look you're here to represent duck shooters and we're here to represent our native water birds and if we weren't there there'd be nobody in government looking after our native water birds you've given so much to this fight already over the last what is it last 32 years just tell me, what do you feel in those in those deep dark recesses of your soul when you hear that government announcement each year that of a, yet another duck shooting season? In those in those quiet moments, do you do you ever entertain the idea of throwing in the towel and thinking there's got to be an easier battle to be won than this one? I've never thought about throwing in the towel because when you go out to the wetlands and you see the level of violence and cruelty that governments allow. I, I can understand shooters because basically they're psychopaths. That's why they enjoy killing out there. But I could, I've never been able to understand why politicians, whether they be Liberal or Labor, 
uh, don't feel anything and, mm. and they can just call a duck shooting season and not have any guilt there. But, you know, from our point of view, even though we know a duck shooting season's going to come up and we're waiting for the minister to announce it, it, it doesn't come as a shock in actual fact mm. because we know it's coming. Yeah. But the moment the announcement is made, you do go into shock mm. and you feel sick because mm. you, know, you know what's going to happen to those birds again. But you've got to sort of recover pretty quickly to put out a media release straight away and, and to keep fighting the issue. And I can tell the government now that we'll be fighting mm. until duck shooting comes to an end. And, in fact, we told Brian Hine, who's the chairperson of the Game Management Authority, that, you know, all their troubles are coming from the duck shooting issue because uh, of what we do out there. And if we weren't around, then they wouldn't have the pressure on them that they, they have at the moment. And the only way that they can ease that pressure, Kate, is for them to ban duck shooting. And once duck shooting is banned, the coalition against duck shooting will dissolve. What's it going to take to win this campaign have you identified is have you identified a particular tipping point or some kind of watershed moment that will that will mark the end of it that you know that the battle is won is is there a moment that you're aiming for well i think because of what happened last year we're close to that tipping point now okay and with the november election coming up uh i think there could be change there i'm hoping there'll be change but uh and, and, of course, these days, the, which, which whoever's in government has to realise that the Greens are becoming a force to be reckoned with. And, as I said before, we need Labor to get back in in November with the Greens holding the balance of power in the lower house. And that's the only way we're going to, I think, win the issue in the long run. Okay. And, and we'll stay there until it is won. So what can listeners do to get involved? Well, if people want to either come out to the wetlands, we've got a couple of training days coming up on the 5th and the 8th. Uh, if they go to our website... The 5th and the 8th of March. Of March. Yeah. Uh, um, the opening of the duck shooting season starts on the 17th of March and uh, we're having a couple of training days uh, on the 5th and the 8th of March. And or if people want to donate, all they have to do for anything is go to our website, which is www.duck.org.au, and you can join the Coalition Against Duck Shooting. Doesn't cost any money, um, and come along to our training sessions. And uh, because everybody has to go through a training session to be out there in in 2011. And it is a dangerous place. So if anybody's thinking about joining us on the wetlands, it is dangerous. In 2011, we had a rescuer shot in the face at Lake Bull Oak and uh, she was extremely lucky. She had nine pellets lodged in her face and and two pellets were very close to either side of her eyes. And uh, so she was rushed to the uh, Horsham Base Hospital and she's okay and she's fine but it highlighted how dangerous it is for rescuers out there and all rescuers will wear the best Defence Force safety goggles 
to protect their eyes. They're not foolproof, but they are they are good. The troops use them in Afghanistan and, and overseas. But, uh, yeah, if you can join us, that would be terrific. So they go to the website and they join and then they get the details of the training dates, uh, the, yes. the, uh, the place and <clears throat> the venue and the time, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Okay, yes. fantastic. And then they can also donate if, donate if they want to yes. from that website as well. Yes, Perfect. From, yes all from the website. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Laurie, for coming in today. Pleasure, Kate. Great to hear these updates, these developments. Um, best of luck for the season. Stay safe. Thank you. And fight hard. And we look forward to hearing some good news um, maybe in November, do you know, if, if things um, go in favour of the Ducks. We really hope so. You've been listening to Laurie Levy of the Coalition Against Duck Shooting and you're tuned to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. So um, I've just got some community announcements before we wrap up for the, for the day. There's going to be vegan outreach at the University of South Australia's City West Campus in Adelaide, virtually all day this Wednesday, February the 28th. Uh, and it's going to be the same again the following day at the City East Campus. Volunteer leafleters are needed um, and are encouraged to join in. You just just join in and help and they distribute thousands and thousands of leaflets that really have a huge impact on on spreading the, the message of veganism. There's going to be a new Greyhound Action Group in Lismore. They're having their first meeting in South Lismore, that's New South Wales, on Wednesday, February the 28th. Anonymous for the Voiceless will be doing their Cube of Truth street outreach in Brisbane and Townsville this Friday, March the 2nd, and then the same again in Adelaide and Sydney on Saturday, March the 3rd. Zoos Victoria and the Organisation for the Love of Wildlife is hosting an Ivory and Rhino Horn Destruction Day. So you bring your ivory and your rhino horn items to Melbourne's Burke Street Mall next Saturday, March the 3rd. So those items can be publicly destroyed and and so to call on the Australian government to ban its importation. So if you've got those items, come along. And if you don't have those items, still come along and show your support. It's, a, it's going to be a first for Australia. The Animal Activist Collective will be doing... Um, outreach on Melbourne's Swanston Street outside the Lord of the Fries next Saturday, March the 3rd. All those events are on their, the group's respective Facebook pages and they will also be on our Freedom of Species Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in this week. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and you can also contact, contact us by email. We're at, our email is info at freedomofspecies.org. And I'm going to leave you with another song that's been selected by our guest, Laurie Levy. This one's Bob Dylan, Blowing in the Wind. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.